Welcome to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We are brought to you by ProgressiveChristianity.org, a wonderful place to find all the progressive Christian resources that you need. I hope that you will follow them and us on social media and that you will subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Today, we will be talking about Blue Beetle. And so I need to tell you that if you haven't seen it, we will spoil it for you. So uh, just be prepared for that. But Oh, we're going to have so much fun spoiling it for you. I am joined by always, uh, as always, by the one and only Mark Sandlin. How are you doing today, Mark? I am doing fantastic, sir. Uh, cannot wait to leap into this. Wasn't sure what I was going to come away from the movie before watching it. Yeah. Oh, I am so ready to be talking about this movie, man. Let's, yeah, yeah. We're going to dive into it, and it's going to be so much fun. But uh, not until we have some drinks. Right, Indeed. and I bet Indeed. you got a drink. Do you have a drink? I with do. You? I, I I went with. I decided since our our family, which is the core of the movie, comes from uh -huh. Mexico, I went with my favorite uh -huh. Mexican drink, a margarita, uh -huh. and of course, since it's the Blue Beetle, I made a blue version of a margarita. Of course, perfect. How about you, sir? Perfect. Okay, so I've also got a blue inspired drink for the Blue Absolutely. Beetle. And so I uh, put some blue curacao together and also yeah. tequila and mezcal. So I've got mm. kind of a, a smoky a, little drink here. And, uh, a it sounds like kind of a, almost a smoky uh, margarita, but not quite. Just sponge the lime juice. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So and your blue, your blue you, comes a lot closer to the blue beetle color. I couldn't quite. Yeah. You know, if I could have gotten some purple in there, I would have been oh, really be happy. That'd be but perfect. I'll take blue. So let's, let's take it up and come back. Talk about Blue Beetle. Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. You're joining us for our Geek Out segment. So what we do here is we are both big geeks, and we will spend a little time letting our geek flag fly and enjoying talking about just the movie and the geek part of the movie. But we promised while we could go on and on about it, we will not. We will definitely keep it as compact as possible, come back after that, and spend a little more time doing the theopolitico uh, kind of viewpoints that show up in the movie, of which there are plenty. So for those of you who are not familiar with Blue Beetle, uh, it has a, 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 actually going back to the 1930s in comic book, but let me just kind of catch you up on where this movie uh, happens and takes place and who's involved. So Jaime Ramez suddenly finds himself in possession of an ancient relic of alien biotechnology called the Scarab, and when the Scarab chooses Jamie to be a symbiotic host, he, he's bestowed with an incredible suit of armor that's capable of extraordinary and somewhat unpredictable powers, forever changing his destiny as he becomes the superhero, Blue Beetle. Um, so, quick question for you here. Um, what's the best DC movie since the 2017 Wonder Woman movie, and why is it Blue Beetle? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it's it's a fantastic movie, and I think partly the reason it's Blue Beetle is because it does a great job of balancing being a superhero movie and all the ridiculousness that comes with that, with with fun and with the uh, Latinx culture, uh, and so I think they really leaned into that in a way that that really benefited the movie. You know, it was a yeah. fun movie to watch. Absolutely. Um, we, we got to learn uh, about the Blue Beetle. And I think, you know, one thing that DC has done a lot is really lean heavily into the Holy Trinity, right? The, right. Uh, the Batman, time. Superman, and Wonder Woman. Uh, oh, and and then and then we got eh, okay, and then we got and then we got the flash. flash. Yeah, we got one flash move. Yeah. 
but no. uh, you know, I think I think one thing that Marvel did really well, right, was yeah. it took some characters that nobody really knew that were kind of on the margins, mm -hmm. and they allowed themselves to have some fun with it. And I think yeah. I think that's what we're seeing here is we got a, a, a superhero that a lot of people didn't really know about, mm -hmm. and we got to really dig into it, and they got to have fun with it because there wasn't the people yeah. weren't as familiar with the lore. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think it's interesting that James Gunn had nothing to do with this movie. And at the same time, it feels a lot like the first Guardians of the Galaxy, mm -hmm. which was what his pet uh, movie that really kind of he was passionate about. And was like, we're going to make it. And it was marginal characters, but they learned how to have fun with it and really get us to connect with the, with, with the main characters in a way that other movies sometimes didn't. They didn't go quite as dark with it as some of the other ones were going. Uh, it felt more like a live action comic book. It felt like the experience of reading a comic. And I really think they do a fantastic job of that in this movie. It's got the campiness, it's got the self-awareness, but it also is trying to be serious about what's going on. Doesn't mm -hmm. feel the need to explain everything. And it just yeah. moves ahead with the story and dives into the characters and gets us to be you know, happy and related to them. It's part of why I think that this movie, and I'm curious uh, mm -hmm. about your response to this, I think this movie is sort of proof that superhero fatigue actually isn't a thing. I know it's not doing great in the box office, but I think that has to do with marketing and the fact that there's a strikes, the actors went out promoting it the way that they probably were counting on being the biggest part of it. Uh, I mean, the plot, even the plot, the plot's sort of a cliche yep. superhero origin story uh -huh. uh, right. that we've seen it almost a hundred times. There's not a lot of surprises in it, but this movie, it has heart and it has mm -hmm. humor. And like I said, it's a bit self-aware. I think that what people are tired of are high production superhero movies with no heart and no true way of identifying with the main character. And so I'm curious if you felt similar to that or do you see it a little bit differently? Well, I was going into this thinking about that explicitly because we've talked about that a lot and we're seeing more and more in publications about the superhero fatigue. And one of the things I thought was interesting about this movie, and we've seen this yeah. with the last maybe three DC movies is that there is a huge discrepancy between how critics respond to the movie and how the audience who watches it mm -hmm. responds to the movie. Right. So it's got a 76 or something percent fresh rating from the critical review on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Audience score is like 92%. And I think, I think some critics actually are experiencing superhero fatigue. I think they're kind of tired. That might be true. Of this. But I, yeah. I don't think the audiences really are. I think audiences, yeah. when they find a superhero movie that really does have heart, that yeah. is really leaning in to um, some of the things that superhero movies are really supposed to be about, which is like commenting on society uh, through, a, through a lens yeah. of a superhero, that whenever they lean into this, like Blue Beetle did, I think that, uh, I think that the the audiences really like that. So I think um, I, I think yeah. the audiences and the critics are kind of in different places on Super yeah. Well, Well, taking off on your uh, yeah. point of audiences are liking uh, superhero movies that are commenting on society. For instance, we talked yeah. about when, we, when we're looking at uh, Secret Invasion, that they would hit it and then they'd kind of ignore it. And, and yeah. it was supposed to be a political right. thriller in the same way. Here is just yeah. before just before we uh, dialed in to do the show. Here's a quick list off the top of my head of the societal issues that Blue Beetle talks about: gentrification, economic disparity, misogyny, uh, immigrant survival, finding your purpose, college debt, importance of family, Guatemalan child soldiers, indoctrination uh -huh. of war, community. That's just ten off that was literally. I almost couldn't type them fast enough. Uh huh. Yep. I, I'm curious. Do you think it worked addressing so many issues without fully resolving a lot of them? Uh, and if so, how do you think they pulled that off? I think it worked in this case because that is a part of the the Latino experience mm -hmm. in the yep. United States. That like it's a complicated experience. It's uh, it's an experience of you know multiple identities. It is mm -hmm. a, an experience of wanting like the American dream, right? Going to college and also having to deal with like 
loan debt and also having to deal with like not being able to find a job because of who you are. It's uh, while losing, while replacing the possibility of losing your home. I think the reason that it worked here and it didn't work in Secret Invasion is because it's authentic to the story that they're trying to tell. And it's a complicated story that doesn't really have a resolution. It's, it's, uh, it's helping us to experience what it's like to be that character. Secret Invasion, they touched on it and it didn't really have anything to do with the character's experience it was like they were trying to touch on it just to touch on it and i yeah. i think that's like authenticity makes a big difference right uh, and so i think this was authentic yeah I, I think that's exactly it like this was so re- rooted in the true uh, uh mexican-american uh latinx experience and all of these things are part of daily life and what's real and what has to be dealt with it's kind of like milagro's sister uh says uh, talking about the rich folks that are in, in the company, yeah. the, uh, the big company. Uh, I just blanked on the name of the company. I don't understand why I did that. Cord? Uh, cord. Uh, yeah. Talking about the Cord folks and said, we're invisible to people like that. It's kind of our superhero, our superpower, which I thought yeah. was a brilliant line and kind uh-huh. of set up what would happen the rest of the movie. I thought uh-huh. that was when I realized, oh, the writing in this is going to be really on point. Because it was just and this it was. perfect line for this type of movie and talking about this family and their reality of, of what they're having to deal with. I, I just, I, I, I loved it. I really thought it was incredibly powerful. Uh, so let's jump to the family. We've touched on the family a yeah. little bit. And the family is core to this movie. I mean, uh-huh. was, right. Without the family, this is not a movie that probably happen. isn't going to work. Yeah. Um, I'm curious... Uh, every one of the characters has a real growth arc from the beginning Uh to the end of the movie, which doesn't always happen with characters that are introduced almost as, as, you know, side characters, not the main character. I'm curious, which growth arc did you appreciate the most? That's Mm. a tough question. I know that I'm throwing a really difficult question at you right off the cuff. You know, I, I, I liked, uh, I liked the grandma's, uh, growth arc. And, uh, I think it was, I mean, in part because it was funny, right? You get the whole right. movie where she's kind of this yeah. mild mannered, uh, Nana who, who isn't, you know, real in tune with what's going on. Doesn't just sewing and knitting. Got, the, got yeah, her headphones got, on all the time. Right. Yeah. Just uh, the power goes out. She turns, turns the light on. Uh, but but we find out, you know, at the end that she was like, uh, she was like a part of the revolution. And uh, but but I think that that's also I, I like that because uh, we know that like people, uh, you know, who have lived in, say, Central American countries, that that mm-hmm. has been a lot of their experience. Yeah. And um, one of the reasons that it has been their experience is because of the United States government and the government involvement. And so I, I like the fact that then the, the even grandma the school of America and, that from <laughs> Panama, the horrible school, they even I love that they were not they were fearless about mentioning the stuff mm-hmm. that America screwed up. It was that's brilliant. right. The, that's right. Yes, it was unapologetic. And and that's good. That's what we needed. That's what made it work. So I, I like the grandma's growth arc in that. Yeah. I thought it was fun to see her like then use those revolutionary skills to take out cord. I liked it. Yeah. I love grandma's, you know, uh, yeah. mentality of yeah. now we fight. We'll cry later. later. Like that kind yeah. of like the family has to come together to protect yeah. the family. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I would have probably said grandma too, frankly. Uh, but I have to say, yeah. it was a it was a small arch this particular character. But oh my yeah. god, Rudy, George Lopez. Yeah. I've always liked George Lopez. He was crazy. This is the best I've ever this, seen him. Perfect casting. He was he was great for that. Top character. to bottom, top to bottom, Mex- perfect. Uh, Mexican Doc Brown. Yeah, exactly. That was a great line. Such a great line. Uh, and I loved all of their pop culture references in the movie. It was, you know, uh, yeah. crew, 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 what was the line about uh, 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 Jenny Cruella Kardashian? Oh, line. yeah, yeah, yeah. His sister says she's like Cruella yep. Kardashian. Just a great yes. line. Yeah. And I did yeah. love his sister's growth. She was so uh, kind of anti-everything that's not their culture. Yeah. And yeah. uh, ultimately, she's still protecting the culture, but she was willing to bring Jenny in and recognize as a good person. And there was this growth of 
shut everybody out to, okay, I see why it's important our culture, our community, and we, that folks that are really trying to be a part of that and trying to be promote, promote it really need to be brought in. And I, I really like that. But uh, yeah. Rudy, it was just fun. You know, uh, yeah. Batman's a fascist. Uh, there are <laughs> so many great lines from him. And yeah. at first he just felt like rough and yelling in the yeah. face of everything. And by the end of the movie, yeah. we have him being invited to be a part of the solution. And, and you can right. tell he was kind of overwhelmed. He's like, did you tell her to say that? That's something that sounds like you would have told her to say. Like yeah. he was, he kind of is like thrilled that he's being brought in and gets to be a part of the yeah. solution, which I thought was so much fun. So much fun. Yeah. 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 It really worked. It really worked. Now there was one thing in the movie that I don't know if anybody picked up on, but it hit me weird. Now we've already said this is a spoiler full Show. That's right. So I, I'm yes. about to do the big one of the big spoilers of the, <laughs> the movie. Okay, spoil but, it for us, Mark. Yeah. So his dad dies, right? Mm -hmm. And it's traumatic. It's done beautifully. I mean, I, I'm literally like wiping tears from the yeah. edge of my. I, there was twice in the movie where I'm just trying to get the tears yeah. out of my eyes so I can see reasonably yeah. well, which is yeah. again one of the most one of the beautiful things they do in this movie. It's fun. It's silly. Yeah. It pokes fun at itself. It's a great superhero. There's all kinds yeah. of action, but the emotions are real and connected and you care about mm -hmm. the characters, which we don't always do in superhero movies. Uh, so he passes away. Yeah. And they move into an action scene. Uh -huh. And they started off with uh, Rudy in the big bug turning music on. Uh -huh. Do you remember what song they played? No. <laughs> what Monty was it? Cruz kickstart my heart. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yes. I was like, what? He just, and you're going, he, he, oh. he had a, he had a heart attack. Yeah. It was like, he just passed away and you're going to do this. Like, <laughs> uh, I don't know that, that one, I got to hit that. That one hit me a little weird. You know, Mark Sandlin was ringing in my head whenever he died because, uh, I was remembering, Mark, you saying, uh, it, can there be a DC movie where the father figure doesn't die? And, <laughs> That's true. That's true. And, uh, and we, we still, we haven't got one yet. We still haven't, yeah. <laughs> and this would have been a movie that they seem to be like letting go of a lot of the standard DC stuff and trying to reinvent right. and recreate. Yeah, that would have been a great, but yeah. Did he need to die? Did he really need to die in this, Mark? I don't think he needed to at all. I mean, it gave this either. big emotional moment, but yeah. there's so many other ways that could have happened. I don't think it was necessary that the, the, the afterlife sequence, uh, and maybe yeah. that's why they did it to give it sort of that uh, black Panthers moment of going to the yeah. afterlife and seeing your ancestors because ancestors. That's exactly what I thought when I saw that. Yeah. It felt a whole lot like it. And maybe that's what was going yeah. on. I don't know. So I, I had several other things I really wanted to talk about, uh, about how the scarab as it gets more bonded to him becomes more humane. I kind of love that. Uh -huh. That Jenny, as she uh, uh, becomes more and more accepted by the family becomes a more and more interesting character. There was so much yeah. more to talk about, but we promised that we would not geek out for too long. And so I want us to keep that promise. So we're going to take a quick break and come back on the other side with our Theo Politico segment. And welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show, where today we are talking about the Blue Beetle, and we are diving into the Theopolitico segment, where we will talk about theology and politics of the Blue Beetle. And so, Mark, there were a lot of great lines in this. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I wanted to throw some of them to you oh, okay. and you thought about them. All right, we'll see. Okay, so the dad uh, yeah. says, uh, we're on a journey, all the stuff in the house, all the stuff they have, is just mm -hmm. stops. It's not the destination. Uh, we don't know where we're going, but what's important is that we go as family. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of that theology? 
Oh, I think that's a brilliant theology. I, mm-hmm. I, I do. I, I love the line when it happened, but I also then thought uh, as the movie was going on, when you look at Jenny Cord and her broken family and, and, and how poorly that family treated some of their members, not her and her dad, but some of the rest, I thought that really almost needed a caveat. Like when the family is supportive and healthy and helping each other, that that is the most important thing. And, and, uh, I it, it maybe would have benefited also if there had also been sort of a side chosen family, because uh, particularly in our modern world, we're seeing a lot of folks who come from broken homes who yeah. are choosing who their family is, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. becomes central to them. And that line would stand very much for that chosen family. But I do think it's it's central to understanding that it's not our stuff. It's not what we're surrounded by. It's who we're surrounded by and how we all support each other. I mean, one of the things I loved about this movie was we have a superhero who has to be rescued by his family. I Uh, can't think of the last time we see that, that this family who's in sort of impoverished situations up against this giant corporation says, no, that's our family. We will go and we will take on this whole damn corporation to save our family. And that's the core of why I think theologically it is the perfect understanding of what real love looks like and what really uh, being there for each other uh, and why it matters so much. I mean, what did you think of that line? I loved it. I I, I thought this was a great theological movie. And I Mm -hmm. love that throughout this movie, we saw the juxtaposition between the Cord family and the Reyes family. And because, because the Cord family is like what we set up as an ideal, right? It's like a wealthy family, you know, they're very, they're very well to do. They've, they've got this huge successful business. Then we've got the Reyes family that is, you know, that's living in, in this house. They're about to lose. They're, mm-hmm. uh, they're immigrants. Uh, not all of them, you know, are documented. And we, we see this family that's really struggling. And yet they, they show us that it is the family that really makes life worth living. It's like the people you surround yourself with, the right. people who care about you that make life worth living. And you can have all the things in the world and be miserable, or your mm-hmm. soul can be um, can 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 just be decrepit. And so Absolutely. I thought I thought it was a a lovely way of showing us that um, that that family is important, but but the, as you said, the family we choose. I, I thought it was great theology. Yeah. So one of the other things that we saw mm-hmm. was uh, was this issue of of Jaime being a, a first generation college student, you right. know, who's who's trying to get out of the kind trying of to work within the system to get out of the yeah to get out system. of poverty to get out yeah, of what to, the system and, is created. That's right, exactly. And so there's this uh, great scene at the very beginning of the movie where he puts on his mortar board, right? He's at the airport. He's going to see his family. And he says, how do I look? And the guy in front of him says, like, you're six (laughs) figures in debt, (laughs) right? Uh, And so, you know, I... uh, I saw there was a lot of conversation about this, about how, how you advance and stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I'm curious, Mark, what you think this says. Uh, like in our country, is college the future for people? Is that the way out? And what does it say uh, about us as a country when we not only like accept that people might get six figures in debt, but we actually encourage people? To, to do that, to take on yeah. huge uh, debt for college. What what does that say about us? It says that capitalism sucks. That's what it says. <laughs> uh, it does. Because, yeah. because if you take away the money issue, yes, uh-huh. education is the way out. It's not just the yeah. way out of poverty. It's the way to end poverty. It's the way to end homelessness. It's the way to end uh, marginalizing folks for any reason. Education is what gets us there. So, yes. In so many ways, education is the way out. However, we keep structuring education in a way that either it is not education, it's indoctrination, and it teaches you to hear stuff and spit the stuff back out, which is great for politicians. Like, yay, we we have a whole society who have learned, listen to what your leaders say and then repeat it because that's how you learn and are right and are educated. And rather than teaching actual education and how to do that, um, I think it's absolutely horrific that we've 
created that. So it's either that where the education that you can get for a reasonable amount is just repeating learning and doctrinization, or it's for the elite. It's for the people who have a lot of money. Um, or you can go in deep debt and no matter how much you learn, you're just going to be trying to dig out of it and it puts you right back to where you were just in a different way where you're, the reality of your life is so immense that you can't quite dig out of it enough to go and change the world and make a big difference and help those around you. Uh, so for me, it was a line that was like, yeah, kinda, but yeah, reality. Yeah. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's horrific that we we do this. So I agree. Mm -hmm. I think education is vital and that we should always be striving to have a more educated society because, I mean, we've seen some of the dangers of what happens whenever we don't have an educated society. Boy, oh, boy. Kind of manipulate uh, people into uh, not thinking for themselves. But I think it's extremely immoral that we allow people to go into such debt. And so, you know, I, I think one of the solutions to that is that we should give people four years of college for free. I, I think we completely. should al allow people to do that. And I think yeah. we should forgive and existing student loan debt. Completely. Debt. Because there's nothing that would stimulate the economy more than forgiving people's student and, loan debt so and they have money to invest in the economy. And there's nothing that would make this a, a, a more successful nation than having a highly educated like, uh, group of folks that live here. I mean, admittedly, I know that pol politicians don't really care how successful they are as long as they stay in power. And that's the battle we're fighting, ultimately. It's like, it do is. we want to have a better nation or do we want to let the people who have power and have had power for far too long continue to keep it? I mean, that's the simple divide. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, so one of the other things that we hear multiple times from Cord, from Susan Sarandon's character, yeah. is... Susan Sarandon also loved her. I mean, it's she was Sarandon. great. She's she was good. I mean, she's you always know, good, but yeah. I mean, I think the writing for her was really subpar. But she's such a great actress. Her little face twicks, twitches, and the way that she'd look at people elevated the dialogue beyond what the writing was for. Sorry, I just need to put that out there. It's I like Meryl Streep, you know? And it, yeah. if they could do a pile, they could just, just hand her like a pile of crap, and yeah. <laughs> she'll turn it into gold. It'd be amazing. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think she did a good job. So mm -hmm. one of the things she kept saying over and over again is that sacrifices must be made for the greater good. And so we've talked about this line a number of times, but we typically talk about it as uh, the advantages of, right? right, like sacrificing for the greater good. That's how it's typically portrayed. And mm -hmm. that is not how that line <laughs> is portrayed in this yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, she's doing evil things and saying that they're for the greater good. Absolutely. So I, I'm curious, Mark, uh, contrary to the way that we usually talk about this, yeah. are there times uh, when the greater good actually isn't as important as what's best for individuals? You know, I actually don't know. I think it's always the greater good is always the the thing that we need to be looking at. Uh, but I think it's setting up a straw man argument like that. The only thing way that we can have the greater good is for you to sac you to, to suffer or to die or to whatever. I mean, and just part of making her evil is that she's, yeah. she's using ad hominem, not ad hominems, but she's using false attacks uh, that yeah. she sets up and the outcome like, to, to say that's the only way that the greater good can be served is just a false argument. So no, I think that we always need to be looking at what the greater good is. And, but particularly when it comes to horribly harming someone or killing someone that we need to be 100% sure that we've looked at all the alternatives and all the ways and have tried most of them to see if there's other ways to serve the greater good. Uh, did, how did, I mean, did it, I mean, it's, it's one of those lines when it's said, you kind of go, okay, let me think about that. But yeah, I mean, how did it hit you? Well, I mean, I don't think she actually had the greater good in mind, mm -hmm. uh, which is, I think, what Her what we good. also hear from politicians, right, that uh, mm -hmm. you've got to sacrifice for the greater good yeah. when they're talking about uh, especially marginalized groups. 100%. And so I think particularly and, the Latinx community and undocumented folks who are propping up the economy through what they're 100%. doing and, and saying, oh, we've got to get rid of you. We've got to get rid of you for for the greater good. Yeah. It's Talk about they're propping up the economy. Even the movie yeah. industry, one third yeah. of ticket purchases come from Latinx community. Yeah, uh, 
I, I believe, I believe that. I believe yeah. that. So it's, uh, so I think, I think in this case that, uh, that I think whenever we're dealing with marginalized communities, asking marginalized communities to continue to make sacrifices for what is best for say white people in power <laughs> is not really the greater good. No, that's that, <laughs> that's yeah, the greater isn't. evil. Okay. <laughs> so there's uh, at least one other thing I want to make sure we get to. Okay. And that's, right. um, this this whole thing uh, about names, um, and so names oh. I think is one of the common themes in in this movie, yep. and so we get Jaime's name uh, repeatedly. Jamie. Yeah, Jamie, right? The receptionist. We get uh, the the scientist who's Doctor Sanchez created all this stuff. Doctor Sanchez. My name's not Sanchez. It's not Sanchez. Mm -hmm. And so, um, is this what's a saying about the importance of names, Mark? Yeah, I, I mean, it's saying everything. And, and biblically, you know, uh, particularly in the, the uh, um, Jewish text, names are important. They tell us who a yeah. person is. They say a lot about the essence of a person. There's also an element of respect that comes along, mm -hmm. um, that you see them, you hear them, you recognize them for who they are, and you, and you are aware enough that you're um, respecting them as a person. And, you know, we get this a lot, particularly in, the, uh, uh, in America, when it comes to the trans community, as like names mm -hmm. are changed and pronouns are changed and people dead name them over and over again in, in ways that is, is disrespectful and uh, harmful in, in massive yeah. ways. It, it, I, I, I think not using, sometimes we slip on names and we mess yeah. up, but being aware right. and trying is the one of the main ways to let people know that you that you love them that they are cared for and respected which is central to good theology that you see the goodness in another person as much as you see it in them and you respect it and you want to honor it and the key way we do that is using correct names correct pronouns yeah, 100% agree. There's something sacred about showing that you care about somebody enough mm -hmm. to try their name. And it, like if if it's a name that you're not used to doing, like yeah. asking them how to pronounce it, repeating it, trying, making an yep. effort, you know, asking mm -hmm. them to help correct you if you if you say it wrong. Absolutely. I think that's important. So, you know, uh, I, I love your point, Mark, about how biblical it is. To have a renaming too, because I agree. I think that's one Absolutely. of the things that we're seeing some confusion about in our culture right now, is especially yep. as we get more trans and gender non-binary folks who are choosing yep. names that feel more authentic to who they uh, feel God has created them to be. Like um, affirming that and recognizing that that's actually a very biblical thing to do. Well, you know, uh, and, uh, we and not just New Testament, like. Well before New Testament stuff, we're, we're talking that that was, that's, it's part of why Moses asked for God's name, because knowing yeah. a person's name gives you some understanding of who they are. Um, it's powerful. It's, it's yeah. massively, yeah, important, important, important. And the people who are dismissive of it, sometimes it's ignorance, and I think other times it's just un un uncaring and unloving uh, yeah. in, in a way that's dismissive of people. And when we are dismissive of other people, um, we're causing so much harm, not just to them, but to ourselves and to the society that we both exist in. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Well, there is a lot here, a lot more we could delve into <laughs> to talk about theology yeah. and politics and Blue Beetle. It's a great superhero movie. But if we were Forever. to do that, we wouldn't get to our last segment, the ah. Make Me Look Stupid segment. Uh -huh. And we have to get to that, Mark. We have yeah. to get to it. So why don't we take a quick drop, have right. another drink, and come back and try to make each other look stupid. Hey. to the moonshine jesus show you are here for our final segment so thank you for all of you who have stuck with us through the live show to arrive at this segment this is the make me look stupid segment and sometimes we try to make each other look stupid 
Other times, we really just want to pick the brain of the per other person to answer a question that we don't quite know the answer to. Um, that's where I'm going to start. It's, it's a question that one of the uh, um, tags at the end of when during the credits, uh, uh -huh. we, we see down in the, I don't know what to call it, the beetle cave? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Down in the Blue Beetle's uh, secret hideaway, uh, the computer turns on and says, now uh -huh. this computer is on, someone must have figured out, you know, about the cave and everything, or right. the secret layer. Um, and we hear Ted Cord, who is yeah. Jenny's dad, who was right. in 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 terms of comics, he was the second Blue Beetle, but he wasn't. The Scarab didn't take hold of him. He studied yeah. the Scarab and used some of what he learned from it to create his own superhero. And I, by the way, I thought it was so cool that uh, that comic I think came out in the '80s, and that in his lair. Everything looked like Nintendo and early Apple. So, and so 80s. Yeah, so, so 80s. In the music, it. we should that the music, oh, music was phenomenal was in the film, phenomenal. other than maybe the that that sudden yeah. motley crew. But I mean, the <laughs> synthesizer music uh, gave it oh, yeah. a very 80s feel, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. And so much authentic cultural music as well that yeah. really just kept uh -huh. the, yep. the pace moving and felt like it yep. belonged inside. That was a really well done. So anyway, um, Ted Cord shows up and yeah. says, let Jenny know that I'm alive. Yeah. Where is Ted Cord? So, Mark, I can say that for the first time, you have stolen the question that I was going to ask you. Ooh, I finally stole the question <laughs> you. Look stupid I question. finally stole, like, you steal it from me all the time. I know. And, and today, and today. It yes, pay, it all, yes. It's all worth it today. It's all worth <laughs> it today. Yeah, um, I am satisfied. I, I am so satisfied. I think I think that he uh, is... Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. I need to have a celebratory drink real quick. Yes, right drink. Drink to this, Mark. Drink Cheers to, to me. I've, Cheers to me. I finished I finished mine. So, <laughs> okay, but, uh, <laughs> I made, I made um, an extra. I've been topping it off. <laughs> oh, oh, you're yeah. smart. You're no, smart. Not that. No, just um, like my, I just like my drinks. <laughs> Okay, I think so he is wherever is the, the scarab originated from. So I think through right. his research, I think he figured out um, where it is, made contact with the civilization in some okay. way. And and he is somehow there with them and ah. is uh, is now trying to make contact to, to get in touch. What do you think? What do you think? All right. I, I think sort of similar, but I have a little yeah. bit, a, a tiny bit of knowledge of the comic not because i read it because i but because i have a couple of comic book friends who when i told them that i was going to be watching it kind of uh -huh. gave me some information uh, so the yeah. scarabs in the comic books and i i will not remember the name of the the, yeah. the people who created it the scarabs and there's multiple scarabs uh, as a matter of fact i'll come back to this, this is part of why i used green on a uh, lime on my uh -huh. It comes from a group of people who wanted to conquer other worlds for, I think for various reasons, but partly because there are worlds that they thought that were hurting them. And these scarabs were to go out to those worlds when they thought it was the right timing yeah. and take over the most powerful person, not just the person they felt most connected with and destroy the world. Okay. That was the idea. God, this is a long explanation. I apologize. Um, <laughs> and so, in the opening credits, very few uh -huh. people saw, we see the scarabs going through space. The blue scarab and the green scarab actually bump into each other, and there is this electrical thing that happens. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that short-circuited the blue one, and that's why it didn't try to conquer the world, that it caused mm. the change. Um, and, God, like I said, it's a long explanation. On top of it, I think that it got some of the green scarabs, uh, energy, information, whatever. And it was also short-circuited. Because if you notice, in the uh, layer, there was a mannequin without any uh, costume. Right, on. yes, right. I believe that that was intended for Jenny. And in the comic books, there is a, a green beetle that shows up. Mm. I think at least the plans, if everything go, goes well, is that Jenny... Uh -huh also becomes a beetle 
and she'll uh -huh. be the green one and they'll figure out that there's something else in the blue beetle and they'll pull it off for her. Um, and I think related to that, what happened to dad was, yeah, again, more, oh. more comic book stuff. Dad had a run where he was big buddies with Booster Gold, who had uh -huh. all kinds of technology from the future. I think they found uh -huh. out that there was this alien culture that was trying to destroy everything. Uh -huh. With the help of Booster Gold, which there is a television show in the makes. I don't know if it's late next year or the following year that's coming out. With Booster I, I Gold. Think, yeah, with Booster Gold. And I think that uh, that her dad is going to show, that Ted is going to show up in Booster Gold. I think Booster Gold helped him try to find this group. And mm -hmm. probably something, because right now multiple universes are so popular, uh -huh. I think that Booster Gold in trying to help him find this alien race that was trying to conquer them, accidentally got him stuck in some slightly alternative universe. And he's figured out how to reach out and try to get someone to help him. So that's okay, what so not, not Not in space, but in, no. in another dimension, another universe. Another dimension. Yeah. And maybe not on a planet, maybe in a holding space or something. Maybe, kind of along with you, maybe the alien race that created the Scarab found out that he was doing it and yeah. and and as booster was trying to help him trapped him in some alternate universe and a, a a space where he's finally figured out how to communicate from uh, i think that that might have been part of the plan for where this was going to go if the box office doesn't go well i don't think we get a second blue beetle movie unfortunately because i think we deserve one and i think that we do. the characters all of them deserve it yeah um but that's that's my take that's my take. I think it's in there. I could honestly, I could geek out even more about it, but I won't because I've gone on and on about it too far already. Booster Gold but, is kind of a fun character too to get a, to get a, oh, and, you know doesn't understand his equipment that he that right. he has. I could see him yeah. getting Ted Ward stuck somewhere else on accident. And, exactly, yeah. and in recent comic books, from what I understand, I haven't read them again. He and uh, Ted Cord uh, become sort of like social media stars not yeah. so much they're, they're as much social media stars as they are social like actual superheroes superheroes and so yeah. there's this kind of fun playfulness of are they real superheroes yeah. and of course he messed it up yeah. and ted stuck somewhere so uh and interesting here I, i'm geeking out um, geek geek out yeah. an interesting tidbit here is yeah do you know who is rumored to play ted no ted cord or booster gold ted cord no, who? And even the the abstract picture that her mom painted that we saw yeah. of the family uh -huh. kind of looks yeah. like him, and yeah. he plays a Ted in something that's very famous right now. Oh, Jason Sudeikis. Jason Sudeikis. Oh, <laughs> that would be a, that would be. I could see Ted him Lasso, right? doing that. That Ted would Ted Lasso. Lasso, right? Yeah, he would be great. He would be great. It, uh, there was an early rumor that he was the person. Yeah. The painting. Yeah looked a lot like an abstract Jason Sudeikis. Anyway, all right, so I stole your question. You, you asked <laughs> it back, which is fair play, but when you stole my question, I always come back with a different one. That's so, true, and I, I also have I you also have a different question. Yes, of Excellent. course, of course, right. yes. I don't know why, no, um, I never steal your question. <laughs> if, if, if roles were reversed and you'd never stole a question of mine, I would just come up with one and go, man, this will be work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, so outside um, the the Reyes's house is a sign. Mm -hmm. Did you notice mm -hmm. the sign that's outside their house, Mark? Um, outside the rundown mansion? No, outside the Reyes's house. That oh, the Reyes's house, the four cell one that has Cord's name on it. It has Cord's name on Ford it, and it also has a slogan on it. Did you I see what I, the slogan I don't think said? I saw the slogan. So the slogan said, uh, your future awaits. Um, so we've got this chord sign and your future awaits. Uh, did, was that uh, trying to say anything clever about what was going to happen to the Reyes family in the, in the movie? Or was that just something that uh, mm. they placed there? Your future awaits. Uh, no, it, it had to. It, it's a little too specific not to be kind of a intentional two-part two double meaning kind of thing of the meaning of the corporation is talking to not 
it's kind of like what, what his sister said is that we're invisible to people like that, even in that sign that that's not intentionally directed at them. That's to, yeah. directed at well-to-do white Americans, your future awaits. Like we're going to build yeah. something for you mm. kind of thing. Um, but no, I think that that wording had to be intentional of, I mean, it's very true for all of us. Our future awaits. It depends on how you approach it and how you decide to handle it. And it's very important that the way that the Reyes decide to do it is family and love and supporting each other. And through that, they do create a better future for themselves. I love one. The, the, the other time that I cried was actually uh, when they are clearly uh, coming back from his funeral or whatever, and they show up at their home. What are we going to do now? And the whole community comes in with food and support yeah. and all of that. For me, that was just incredibly beautiful and spoke to really like the larger community, the larger family yeah. And, yeah. and, and how important that is in terms of your future. It's finding that community that's genuine and real and, and cares about each other. Um, so yeah, I think there's, there's probably two intentional meanings. What I love think? that. I, I love that last scene that you were just describing because I thought what was going to happen at the end is yeah. that somehow there was going to be a white savior from cord that oh, was God. going to come in and fix stuff that, for them. That would have that's been not so... what happened. No, that's not that... what happened. It was the community that mm -hmm. came. Um, mm -hmm. And I thought that was a great way to end it. The Reyes's lives weren't fixed at no. the end of, at the end of not it. At I, all. Mean, they have, I mean, yeah, other than it's was going to rebuild the house that got, that they destroyed. Right. Which is uh, only just, right. Right. And they weren't going to kick him out. But, right. but that's it. I mean, other than that, their lives were but the, still going to But that was insane. Jenny, who was one yep. of them, and, and had that's a Latinx right. background as well, that's coming right. in and supporting the community and saying, this company that I am now the person that leads it is going to do the right thing and, and, and make sure that folks are supported and cared for and that they're not stepped on, that they're not invisible to us anymore. Uh, that yep. your invisibility doesn't have to be your superpower anymore, that we are going to be here and present for the community, which I thought was just a beautiful way to wrap all of it up. Yes. And she didn't say that the corporation was going to solve all their problems because I mean, that's no. equally problematic. Even if it's a, even if it's a corporation that's run by a person of color, it's still a corporation and we don't want to find our it salvation is. in corporations. Yeah. I don't like think. A, And so yeah. I, 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 capitalism was a big thing. A big theme yeah. in this was what how capitalism steps on everybody and what a problem is. And she's still part of this giant corporation that is, is yeah. buying into the capitalistic. I mean, it's part of the, I think the the journey that uh, Jaime went through of he was he yeah. was working through the system that oppressed him, and he was learning that maybe that's not the thing to do. Yeah, I completely agree. I think in terms of the sign that I think it was a, a wink to us that the uh, that the future that awaits them is tied tied in with uh, with cord and, and yeah. what was coming through the. Through I the think story wise, it definitely means that. Yeah, so I I love this movie, Mark. It was so fun, and I loved yeah. all the all the themes. Of, I of loved this. it so I, much. I am happy. I tried to keep my expectations low, but I, I was too. happy about this. I, I was I thought it was thrilled a about movie. it. And honestly, yeah. I think if people like I know because the, the marketing was not good, part of why the numbers. Yes, it it beat Barbie, but this is like Barbie's fourth fifth week. I don't know. Yeah, uh, right. it beat Barbie, but it's not the numbers they were expecting. But I think that they. I hope yeah. that they recognize that that's because they did an absolutely crappy job of promoting it and that the writer strike prevented the writers of the actors from promoting, which I think they were going to lean on pretty heavily. I really hope people pay attention to this movie because I, I genuinely think that it has the potential to save the superhero genre, hmm. to recognize what they have done here, what works, what makes it so much fun, what makes it so interesting, even down to, uh, I'll geek out a little bit more, his suit yeah. was almost 100% practical. There was almost no CGI outside of when he transformed yeah. and all that. And right. so during a lot of the fight scenes that they did in actual settings, not so much CGI background, particularly like in right. hallways and stuff, for me, it just felt so real, so grounded, right. so honest. It didn't feel like there was some, oh, look at that fancy CGI. CGI. Uh, 
I don't know. I, I hope they, they pay attention to this, that they see how much the, the audience loves it and they learn from it. It could it could save the superhero genre. I, I think it's proof that we're not tired of superhero movies. We just actually want good ones. That's right. Yeah. Here's looking at you, Quantumania, in terms of <laughs> just CGI backgrounds. Absolutely. You know, I, I mean, I think we, we got the opposite here. And yeah, I agree. it was a lot of fun. I love it. Okay. We could keep geeking out and, and continuing to look at this. It's, it's such a rich movie. Uh, but we need to look into the future. Uh, what should we uh, look at next week? What are you thinking about? You know, Mark, I, I was thinking uh, it's been a while since we've hit Star Wars. And there's uh, a, a new Star Wars show coming oh, out, yeah. uh, Ashoka, oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. uh, I, you know, I know you and I both love the Mandalorian, mm. and uh, yeah. Ashoka is kind of a spinoff of the Mandalorian, Absolutely. and I, 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 we're getting the first couple of episodes this week, and yeah. so what if we watch the first couple of episodes and talk about Ashoka, and then maybe come back like at the end of the season. And I would love do a, a whole thing on the end on all of it. Would that be? Oh, fun? I would absolutely love it. I've I've heard some okay. early feedback, and it sounds like it's going to be really well done, uh, and very Star Warsy, which is fantastic. I'm, I'm I'm excited about it. So I'm with you. I mean, you can't get Star Warsy enough, right? right. There's no such right. thing as too Star Warsy. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> I completely agree. All right, so all of you out there, uh, please try to catch the first two episodes of Soka, uh, and join us next Monday. Uh, at 4.30 Eastern time for our live broadcast or download it later, whatever works the best for you. Uh, in the meantime, thank you all who uh, listen to the show, who uh, have uh, come and watch it live or download it and listen to it and play back on your podcast. Well, Caleb and I genuinely cannot thank you enough uh, for being part of this and uh, allowing us to, to have this kind of fun uh, with science fiction, but also with you know, we're both science fiction geeks and theo theological and political geeks. So thank you all for yeah. allowing us to be able to do this. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, we we appreciate you and uh, invite you back the next time on the Moonshine Jesus Show. Moonshine Jesus, nobody.